I was single, straight, and female. When I turned 30, in 2011, I still envisioned my sexual experience eventually reaching a terminus, like a monorail gliding to a stop at Epcot Center. I would disembark, find myself face-to-face with another human being, and there we would remain in our permanent station in life, the future. I had not chosen to be single, but love is rare and it is frequently unreciprocated. Without love, I saw no reason to form a permanent attachment to any particular place. Love determined how humans arrayed themselves in space. Because it affixed people into their long-term arrangements, those around me viewed it as an eschatological event, messianic in its totality. My friends expressed a religious belief that it would arrive for me one day, as if love were something the universe owed to each of us, which no human could escape. I had known love, but having known love, I knew how powerless I was to instigate it or ensure its duration. Still, I nurtured my idea of the future, which I thought of as the default denouement of my sexuality, and a destiny rather than a choice. The vision remained suspended, jewel-like in my mind, impervious to the storms of my actual experience, a crystalline point of arrival. But I knew that it did not arrive for everyone, and as I got older, I began to worry that it would not arrive for me. A year or two might pass with a boyfriend, and then a year or two without. In between boyfriends, I sometimes slept with friends. After a certain number of years, many of my friends had slept with one another, too. Attractions would start and end in a flexible manner that occasionally imploded in displays of pain or temporary insanity, but which for the most part functioned peacefully. We were souls flitting through limbo, piling up against one another like dried leaves, awaiting the brass trumpets and wedding bells of the eschaton. The language we used to describe these relationships did not serve the purpose of definition. Their salient characteristic was that you had them while remaining alone, but nobody was sure what to call that order of connection. Hooking up implied that our encounters had no ceremony or civility, Lovers was old-fashioned, and we were often just friends with the people we had sex with, if not just friends. Usually we called what we did dating, a word we used for everything from one-night stands to relationships of several years. People who dated were single, unless they were dating someone. Single had also lost specificity. It could mean unmarried as it did on a tax form, but unmarried people were sometimes not single but rather in a relationship a designation of provisional commitment for which we had no one-word adjectives. Boyfriend, girlfriend, or partner implied commitment and intention and therefore only served in certain instances. One friend referred to a non-ex with whom he had carried on a non-relationship for a year. Our relationships had changed, but the language had not. In speaking as if nothing had changed, the words we used made us feel out of sync. Many of us longed for an arrangement we could name, as if it offered something better instead of simply something more familiar. Some of us tried out neologisms. Most of us avoided them. We were here by accident, not intention. Whatever we were doing, nobody I knew referred to it as a lifestyle choice. Nobody described being single in New York and having sporadic sexual engagement with a range of acquaintances as a sexual identity. I thought of my situation as an interim state, one that would end with the arrival of love.